Hello, and God bless you. This is Pastor Jeremy, and we want to welcome all our listeners to now our 23rd podcast. We are so delighted that you could join us today on another podcast as you who have been following us, or maybe you're joining us for the first or second or third time, we have been studying and answering uh, the questions of what is happening in this hour. We began our journey about 23 hours ago or 23 days ago, uh, just trying to answer, feeling led by the Lord to answer some of these questions. And now we find ourselves now starting now our fourth week. And what's interesting, if you've been following us uh, the last few weeks, as a matter of fact, to be more specific, from podcast eight all the way now, the Lord led us to the story of Lazarus. And we have been here for two weeks. And literally, if you if you have an opportunity to listen from that eighth podcast all the way to now, you will follow and you will see that there is a tremendous parallel, a tremendous pattern that we see in that story that mirrors what we are going through in this hour. And not just what we're going through in this hour, but where we are heading. <clears throat> and so right. we, we're excited because... <clears throat> You know, we we were talking with the panel, either this is a coincidence or this is the Lord speaking to us clearly. And I believe the second, I believe that this is the Lord speaking to us clearly. And if you have eyes to see and ears to hear, you will be able to understand what the Lord is saying. And we have been, been taking a journey through this story. And man, every single part of this story from the resurrection, from the death of Lazarus to the resurrection of Lazarus to <clears throat> to the time of Jesus going into Passover, we are seeing how the templates are fitting in just like a puzzle. God is speaking clearly to us. So we want to invite you to continue to join us. And we know that you're going to be blessed. And I ask you to please, if you have your Bible with you, follow us and the Lord will speak to you. What a delight to be here today with our panel, Brother Fernando, uh, Brother Jeremiah, and Brother Marty. It's always a pleasure to be able to come together and, and be able to open up the Word of God with ye men of God. And so without further ado, Brother Marty, would you please take it from here? Amen. Thanks, Brother Jeremy. Uh, it's good to be with everyone today again, and those of you by way of uh, whichever way you're listening, whether it's the uh, the website or uh iTunes or or whatever uh, other ways we communicate these messages we encourage you to to give them to your friends and as you feel led uh we're not selling anything we're not trying to build a kingdom here we're just brothers in the lord and and we love to to seek the lord through the word and we believe we're living in extraordinary times and and we know we are obviously which has led us to these podcasts so we're real delighted to be with you today and and traditionally speaking, right, today is uh, how we celebrate around the world, especially in the Western world and really all around the world, um, that they call today Good Friday. It is the day that we reflect uh, in our tradition on, on the day that the Lord was, was uh, crucified on Calvary. And I think that, that it is only appropriate that we approach that subject today. And, and we're going to do it uh, picking up where we left off yesterday. Because where we left off yesterday was we were up in the upper room at the Last Supper. And in the Last Supper, uh, there was many, many things that we were discussing yesterday that 
um, I think I would encourage you to go back and listen to podcast number 22, the day before Good Friday, Thursday. So <clears throat> it's with that in mind that we're going to take our journey now as we leave the upper room and we head toward Gethsemane, because that's what would happen. You know, many people forget that the Last Supper, uh, it included all of this. You know, it wasn't just that they had the Last Supper and the New Covenant was announced by the Lord, but that they actually left the upper room and they take a journey across across the Kidron Valley to the Mount of Olives where, where Gethsemane is. And, and there he would be arrested. And then from there he would be led away to trial and ultimately brought before the Roman government and then scourged, whipped and beaten, and then led um, to his his execution on Calvary. But always remember what the Lord said, there is nobody that takes my life. He said, I lay it down willingly and I will take it up again for this commandment I've received of my father, right? That's what he said. And so we're going to get there today and, and we're going to quickly go through these things. And we pray that on this most uh, traditionally holy of days, when we reflect on the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray that you would take time to to, to spend in the word in these podcasts and, and share them with others that, that it might bring them some comfort. And so let's pick it up where we were yesterday. We're going to be in John chapter 13 to start with. And I'm going to read two scriptures. One is John 13, verse 27. And we encourage you to get your Bibles. John chapter 13, verse 27. It says, after the sop, Satan entered into him, speaking of Judas. Then said Jesus unto, unto him, what you do, do quickly. And then verse 30 says, he then, having received the sup, went immediately out, and it was nighttime. So let's just right. review some things here, right? So <clears throat> yesterday, as we talked about, and you need to, I encourage you to listen to those podcasts from yesterday. What we are witnessing in the Last Supper and what we witnessed in the Last Supper is an earthly reenactment of an ancient, ancient story and really an ancient historical fact, according to the prophet Isaiah. And what we were witnessing was this. In Isaiah chapter 14, it talks about the fall of Lucifer. Isaiah 14, verse 12 through 13 all the way down to the end of that chapter. But we focus on something very interesting because it's a parallel, and that's what we talked about yesterday. In Isaiah 14, 13, we see, as it's revealed there, that, that something entered into Lucifer's heart, and he decided, according to the scripture there, that he would ascend or go up into heaven and that he would place himself on the mountain of the congregations of the north. And we began to break down those studies and began, or the word studies there, and we began to reveal by the Spirit of the Lord, we pray, that the same thing was happening in Jerusalem at the Last Supper. And we put forth the example of how Satan entered into heaven as Lucifer, and he has to go up into heaven. That's what he said, I will ascend up into heaven. And then we pointed out by the Spirit, we pray, and according to the Word of God in Mark and in, and in Matthew, I mean in Luke 22 and in Mark 14, I believe it is, <laughs> that 
when Jesus commissioned the last the disciples to go and prepare where they were going to eat the Passover, that he told them to go and to follow a man bearing a pitcher of water. That man would take him to the house and he would ask the good man of the house uh, to give them a room where they could celebrate the Passover. And in the gospel account, it says the kind of room they, they were given was the upper room. And this is what we were saying is that just as Judas went into the upper room, so in the dateless past, Satan went into the upper room of heaven. Judas right. came with the right. Judas came with the disciples, and he looked like he was one of them. Right? He looked as if he was part of the of of of, of the holy bunch. Right? Well, Lucifer, when he when he entered into heaven, on his way to ultimately attempt to to take a place that did not belong to him. He enters into heaven much like Judas entered into the upper room. In this sense, his name, Lucifer at the time, represents one who bears the light. Judas came with the rest of the disciples up into the upper room, appearing as if he also was one who, who bore the light. <clears throat> now, when Satan enters into the upper room, just like Judas entering into the upper room, they are representing a particular one way of being. In other words, Lucifer was called a light bearer. Judas was called one of the twelve. But by the time Satan was leaving heaven, being cast out by the Lord, he now transitions and becomes Satan. He goes from being Lucifer to Satan. Judas, when he leaves the upper room, goes from being just Judas to what the Bible calls the son of perdition. Satan himself entered into him. And just as Judas was transformed uh, uh, by betraying the Lord and Satan enters into him. So Lucifer was transformed by attempting to overthrow the throne that was seated in the congregation of the north there on the mountain. And when he was cast down, suddenly he became Satan. He went from being Lucifer to Satan. As we pointed out yesterday, and you can go back and study this yourself in Isaiah 14, Verse 13, it says that he goes into the upper room of heaven, so to speak, and he desires to place himself in the mount of the congregation. The mount of the congregation is is very interesting because that mountain that's being referred to is 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 the mountain of heaven itself. It is the mountain of the of the city of the holy heavenly Jerusalem. That's where he went, and apparently in heaven. There are meeting places, banqueting places, if you will, because when it says the mount of the congregation or the place where things are congregated, in the Hebrew, what that literally means is this, it is the place or the mountain where they hold a sacred festival, where there's an appointed feast time, right? So what this gives us insight into is that apparently they're in the dateless past. There are times when they celebrate festivals. There were times when they celebrated sacred feasts. And like P Pastor Fernando pointed out yesterday, you can see this in the book of Job, where it says that the father uh, calls a meeting and, and all the sons of God, the angelic hosts come to gather around him to congregate. And it says Satan came amongst them. What's interesting is he's addressed there as Satan, which also indicates to us where he uh, that he had already transitioned, right? This is after he fell. 
because when he goes up into heaven in Isaiah 14, verse 13, he's known as Lucifer. When you see him in Job, he's known as Satan. So the in-between obviously had already taken place. And when God asks him, where have you come from? He says, I came from walking up and down in the earth, right, to and fro. It is where he has been uh, banished to, so to speak. So we see that in the Last Supper portrayal as given to us in the Gospels, the Lord calls for a feast in the upper room. And we said that the mountain reflected in Isaiah 14, which Satan went to, was reflected on earth by the mountain in Jerusalem itself. Because Jerusalem is, is a city set on hills. Remember when David said, I will look to the hills from whence cometh my help? That's what he's referring to, are the several mountaintops in, in Jerusalem itself, Mount Moriah being the place where the temple mount is and, and where the temple of God sits. Now, it is there that they held the sacred feast in heaven. And we talked about that paralleling the sacred feast of Passover in the upper room with Jesus and the 12 apostles. Now, after we, and we started this study by quoting verse 27, chapter 13 of John, verse 27, where it says that, that he eats a piece of bread that's given to him by the Lord. And it says there that Satan himself at that point entered into Judas. That's where the fall of Judas becomes complete because it's there that he now transitions from just being Judas into being what the Bible calls the son of perdition. And so just like Satan fell from heaven, he showed up there as Lucifer. He goes to a sacred feast, but when he's banished and falls from there, he's no longer Lucifer. He's now Satan. When Judas goes to the upper room, a type of heaven, and there he, he is exposed and the treachery of his heart is revealed, Satan enters into him, and Judas as well leaves the upper room. Now check this out. Just as Lucifer is changed into Satan, so Judas, one who's a fake light bearer, becomes the son of perdition or the son of the devil, Satan himself inside of him. So we see the pattern unfolding. Now remember this, in verse uh, 30, John chapter 12, verse 30, what we then pointed out is that after Judas transitions from just being Judas to being fully possessed by the devil at the Last Supper. In verse, 30, in verse 30 of chapter 13, John's Gospel, he says, having then received the sop, what does it say? He immediately he goes out, and then the Bible, or John uses these words, and it was nighttime, or it was night. This is very symbolic, and John writes it this way because it is revealing something. As soon as Judas or transitions from being Judas and has the devil himself, not some demon, it doesn't say some little demon somewhere, the devil himself, right? It's Satan who entered in. It is very reflective of what happened in the ancient past when Lucifer becomes Satan. Here we see Judas becomes the son of Satan, if you will, or completely possessed by the devil. The same pattern is being played out. Now, when the devil sins in the Isaiah 14 account and transitions from just being Lucifer to now becoming Satan, it plunged the entire universe. It plunged all of creation into darkness. And that is what we see symbolized here in a way, and I think that's what John is saying by the Spirit, is that when the devil and Satan himself entered Judas, 
He transitions from being Judas, just like Lucifer transitioned and became Satan. Judas transitions from being Judas to becoming the son of perdition, and he's cast out of the upper room where he was at the Passover, just as Satan was cast out of heaven in the upper room, if you will, of heaven, and cast out. And when he was cast out, everything was plunged into darkness, if you will, a nighttime flooded the universe, just like it is referenced and hinted here when Judas is told to leave the upper room by the Lord, it is now nighttime. Very symbolic of what happened at the original sacred feast in heaven. The entire universe was plunged into darkness. Lucifer goes from being one who bears the light to one who now is Satan or the adversary, and he plunges the whole creation into darkness. When Judas transitions from just being one who is a is a fake light bearer, and then he becomes the son of perdition, Satan entering into him, John points out what? He goes out and it is nighttime. It is it is the way the Holy Spirit is revealing that this is the same pattern that happened in the dateless past was now happening at the very table where the Son of Man was sitting, where Jesus was sitting. And and as a result of Judas being exposed, just like Lucifer was exposed in the dateless past, they were banished. Lucifer was banished, and the universe is plunged into darkness. Judas is banished from the upper room, and John says, it's nighttime. It reflects the original fall of creation. Now listen, once he leaves, it is very representative, if you will, and as he departs into the night, it is it is foreshadowing something else. Because right. as we have been pointing out in the last 22 podcasts, and as we have been laying this prophetic template on the Word of God, we've been using the scripture of Revelation chapter 19, verse 10, right? Because it says that in that scripture, it says that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And we have other places in scripture that tell us uh, he declares the end of all things from the beginning and from ancient times, the things that are not yet done. So it's a principle in the scripture that what happens in the beginning, though the history of it is true, it is also a miniature picture, if you will, as the Bible reveals it, that will occur at the end of time. And so there's another layer to this going out into the night. Judas leaves and he's fully possessed by the devil going out into the night. It's as if what was being told us, if you have ears to hear and eyes to see, is that the Passover event itself, when Jesus was here, reveals that wicked one. In other words, the betrayer or Judas. And it is very akin to what the book of Revelation predicts will happen just prior to the second coming of the Lord. When Judas leaves and he is cast out and it is nighttime, it's as if the Lord is saying by the Spirit for a future generation that the thing will repeat itself. Judas departing into the night, in a sense, foreshadows the coming tribulation period because of what he's about to go do. Now, when, when this happens, the Lord begins to transition what he's saying. We're still at the Last Supper. And he begins to reveal to them something. In verse 33, he begins to say, Little children, yet a little while I am with you. 
and you're going to seek me. And as I said to the Jews, where I'm going, you cannot come right now. And 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 what's interesting about that is that <laughs> as it applies to our time, we believe that this Passover that we're experiencing, that it is a it is a fulfillment. It is a different Passover than any Passover that we've ever had in the last 2,000 years because the whole world is closed. Mm-hmm. It's a global right. event, right? It, it, it's, it, it's, it's a trigger to alert us, and that is why we're studying the Passover to look for the pattern because what the modern church in America really is afraid to hear about is, is what the Lord begins to reveal to his disciples. He says, this event that has triggered Judas going out into the night is going to set in motion a whole series of events that's going to lead all the way to Calvary and ultimately my resurrection, but also I am going to have to go away for a while before I come back. And it's as if it echoes down through the corridors of time and comes to rest in our generation, because the same thing is being said. There is coming a moment in the not-too-distant future as we come out of this Passover season where the prophetic scriptures are going to be unfolding before us in a very accelerated way. But what that's leading to is what the Bible predicts will be a time of great suffering, a Gethsemane, if you will, just as the Lord experienced it, so the end-time church is going to experience the same thing. She must go through a Gethsemane. She must come to that place of pressing where she will surrender herself to the will of God for an hour, as it says in the book of Revelation, the hour of trial, just as the Lord referred to his passion and his Calvary as the hour of his glorification. So what's being revealed here is that as soon as Judas parts out into the night, as it applies to the end-time generation, it is reflective that when the Antichrist is on the scene, something kicks in that is going to lead the final 42 months of human history, which we know as the Great Tribulation period, to a Gethsemane experience. Now check this out. So as soon as Judas departs into the night, it foreshadows the beginning of a tribulation. And as he goes out, It is at that moment that Jesus begins to transition his message and tell them there's going to come a season here where I'm going to be away from you and you're going to, you can't go where I'm at yet. But then he says this in verse, uh, what is it? Verse 36. He says, uh, no, well, let's take a look at this because he gives them instruction, right? It says, it's it's like the Lord transitions. As Judas goes out into the night, the Lord begins to transition his message. He begins to reveal to them what is just ahead. He begins to tell them that he's going to leave them. And it appears that that, that is the same thing that's going to happen to the end-time church. And I refer you to Revelation chapter 13, verse 10, right, where John says that there is coming a, a moment called the faith and the patience of the saints. He talks about being led into captivity. He talks about being killed by the sword. And he talks about that time frame for the church is going to require faith and patience. Just as the Lord spoke to the church in Philadelphia, remember in chapter 3 where he tells them, because you've kept the word of my patience. 
there is going to come in the not too distant future a moment where everything that you think you believe is about to be questioned and the heat of a Gethsemane is coming upon an end time church and the Lord begins to transition in what he's telling them and saying it's I'm going to have to go away for a little bit remember the bible predicts that that the that the the saints will be persecuted by the antichrist and the false prophet by the global mm-hmm. system and the global church converging together to bring about a persecution upon the upon the children of God. And, and for the Bible tells us, it shall be given unto him to make war with the saints, right? And, mm-hmm. to, over, and to overcome them. So this is what we see. But in this Passover last supper, the fact that Jesus begins to transition and reveal to him, there's coming a, a momentary a time where I'm going to have to leave you. You can't come yet. But then he says something. He says, he says in verse 34, I'm giving you a new commandment. And he says, this is the commandment, right? That you love one another mm-hmm. as I have loved you so that you would love one another. And by this, all men shall know you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Now listen to me. This is revealed to the apostles at the Passover supper, the last supper. Judas has now left, but we know from history now that when Judas went out into the night, what did he do? He began to set in motion all the events that would ultimately lead to the arrest, trial, and crucifixion of the Lord. And what is happening right now, whether you can see it or not, is that the spirit of the enemy is moving while the entire world is under lockdown. He's moving behind the scenes, and there is a, a multitude of events taking place that is completely transitioning the world into a completely different state. And by the time that we begin to emerge out of this Passover season, we're going to emerge into a world that is completely different. Just as Judas was out there doing his thing, so they're out there, the children of the enemy at high levels are out there doing their thing. And it's why... Marty, he, yeah, go ahead. Brother Marty, it's, it's incredible because uh, you, I'm astonished at uh, how Christians are seeing uh, the things that are transpiring in our nation with this pandemic. Uh, they, they, they are completely missing the point. They're trying to look for political figures to blame, a political party to blame for what's taking mm-hmm. place. The truth of the matter is that what you said is something incredible, uh, important, is that it is Satan himself. It is his agenda. It is his strategy. Yes. And he's using key figures. And the way he's going to use these key figures or these people is by uh, using what they love. In Judas's case, it was money. Uh, to ultimately put, fulfill his purpose in becoming the son of perdition. And that's what he's doing with, uh, in, 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 at higher levels of political power and religious power. He's, he's using what they love to ultimately fulfill his purpose. Not that he's overriding their decision, but he's all-knowing, and he knows the decision they already made, correct? Mm-hmm. But, yes. but the, thing, the thing is this, that, that the church, like, for example, I read an article where it says that uh, uh, many – uh, many people are ready to defy the the government orders of, of, of strict orders of staying at home and having an Easter gathering or an Easter service. 
and and basically they're they're blaming uh the you know political leaders for infringing on their uh, on their rights right on on their uh, constitutional rights and, and right. but but they're completely missing it this is bigger than that this is the spirit of the age that is centralizing everything it is centralizing healthcare it is centralizing um uh, uh religion it is centralizing yes. ultimately economics right the economy this is where it's all headed but we see christians that are just upset because they can't have service and they feel yes. that this is that this is something that the government is doing to to uh you know to 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 come against their rights as americans to to be free and express their uh, religious beliefs so right we see that they're blind in this and what we're seeing in scripture through the story of, of what's taking place in, in the upper room and in, in, in the last supper is something yes. that the Holy spirit is showing us. That's really taking place. Yes. Right? In the spirit realm. Yes. Yeah. And that's an interesting Go ahead. No, finish it brother. Finish. Cause I have a question. After I was just, uh, just going to uh, say what, what, what Fernando was saying is very interesting because, uh, as I was thinking about it, you know, we were talking about, and don't lose sight of what we're talking about. When 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 Satan enters into Judas, he's banished from the upper room. So there's a separation that takes place there. But when he goes out into the night, he begins to con- connive and conspire. Things are being mm-hmm. set in motion, right? Things that the yes. disciples are not aware of, right? Right. I don't know what right. that is. They, actually, the, the scripture before he leaves, it says that they thought, oh, maybe Jesus sent him to do this or sent him to do that, right? He's got to go buy stuff for the feast. I mean, that, they were clueless right. as to right. what, what was actually going on. And it made me think about what Brother Fernando was saying. Many, many leaders are being exposed as having no light. And they wrap themselves in a pseudo faith uh, display by saying we're going to stand on the Constitution. Well, whatever, dude. <laughs> <Because> your, <laughs> yeah. your sight is so limited, as were the disciples, right? Judas is now gone into the night, and they have no clue what he's doing. And we're saying, like Brother Fernando said, what's going on right now and, 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 and what's happening right now during this Passover season is very similar because we believe that the spirit of the enemy is moving strongly across the face of the earth right now, moving at very Absolutely. high levels, right? And remember what Paul said. He said, uh, he said to us when he was talking about the whole armor of God, he said, remember this, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but our, our wrestling, our, our contest is against principalities and powers and what? The rulers of the darkness of this world and against spiritual wickedness in high places. And this is what was taking place. When Judas leaves the upper room and goes out into the night, all kinds of things are now being set in motion. And the disciples are still there with Jesus, and they have absolutely no clue what's about to come down on them. And it's the same with many in the church today. They have absolutely no clue what's actually about to come down on this world as we come out of this Passover season, this pandemic season. And one more thing before you say, Brother Jeremy, you were making me think about about what has been what has been coming up on the media and what we've been seeing as we're listening to our experts, right, our, our health officials and so forth and so on. I was just thinking, and we were having a little conversation before we started today's program off air, but 
and I'm not I'm not coming down on anybody, but I just find it really interesting who it is that's being put in front of us right now. Who's getting a lot of airtime? One mm-hmm. is a is a pretty charismatic, you know, older guy uh, who who just looks like everybody's lovable grandpa, right? But, right. <laughs> but he yeah, just keeps yeah. telling everybody, right? We just got to be shut down, and you got to let. We're gonna have all this and that, and the other happens. And then there's another guy who has glasses, and he just looks like the most innocent dude, but he's calling for global digital certificates and a global society, but he looks like an angel of light, the most unassuming, mm. right? The most kickback, Opie Taylor looking kind of dude, right? I mean, <laughs> and he's going, you know why I think we should all be enslaved to a digital certificate. It's just insane, mm. but it's the spirit of the enemy, right? Open yeah, our yeah. eyes is what, is what we need to do. What were you going to say, Brother Jeremy? Yes, I think another component uh, going along with what you and Brother Fernando are saying right now is the teaching that has been going on for over 100 years that the church is not going to go through no tribulation and no persecution. So it's very, that's ingrained in most in modern-day church believers today that the church is not going to be here. So what we're talking to them about is probably irrelevant to them because we're not going to be here, Right. And, right. and I think that has affected them, yeah. the, and it has blinded. That's what it is: is the enemy blinding them and desensitizing, and seeing this just as another, another obstacle. But but what we're saying is the opposite. What we're saying is no, we are heading into a persecution, a time that we have never seen for the church. You know, that's yeah. what we're declaring. But this goes against the very doctrine. That, that has been taught for over 100 years now that the church is not going to go through no tribulation. We're going to be raptured away. And I think that component is very ingrained in our in our Christian um, modern-day church today and ministers today. And that's yes. that's part of the reason there's a blindness because, you know, we, we teach mm-hmm. this doctrine that we're not going to be here. Yes. And and like, you know, like, like, like we were saying is that is that consider what we're saying again because it's almost it's almost beyond the realm of of really impacting minds anymore like you said brother jeremy because because for the last hundred years and, and when we say the church we need to make a distinguishing uh statement when we say that because the church is much more than the united states of america yes. <laughs> the church yeah, is yeah. global yeah exactly it's right, true, and it's it's the arrogance of a of a softened lily like church that lives in the freest country on the face of the earth. It's ironic that that the eschatology of that kind of thinking is so prevalent in a in a society that is that is more overfed and more vacationed and and more pampered than any church on the planet. Because the truth of the matter is. Is that all over this world, whether it be China or Russia or India or the Middle East or Africa or even South and Central America, Christians have been dying for decades, persecuted for their faith. But it's the American and westernized uh, fallen away church in Europe from where from where these doctrines originated, coming out of England with the Darbyites and all those other guys, which we ain't got time to get into all that, that began to affect 
the theological schools in the United States so that now a hundred years later, if we begin to try and share anything like this, their minds go tilt. They can't even begin to enter into consider what we're saying by the scriptures because they've been so indoctrinated. And so they have been overfed and they're being led like lambs to the slaughter and they don't even realize it. And because of that, many are going to fall away. Now, when the Lord sends Judas out into the night, like Brother Fernando and and us were talking about earlier, events are transpiring that are not in Mm -hmm. front of the disciples' face. In John 13, 28, it says that nobody at the table knew why the Lord was sending Judas away. And then they began to reason, saying, ah, he must have gone, uh, you know, to buy something that we might need for the supper today, or maybe he's going to go give something to the poor. They were completely clueless as to what was about to come down on them. And that is why the Lord begins to transition, as he is now, I believe, in this Passover season, transitioning his message to them, and, and subsequently to us, upon whom the ends of the world have come. He begins to tell them there's going to come a time where you're going to feel like I'm not even around you. Mm. And then he begins to transition his message, and he begins to say, I'm giving you a commandment here. You need to love one another. And it will be the distinguishing mark of who you really are. And what the Spirit of God told me is, is, listen to this, is what he told me was, was that the true church, just like the disciples were having revealed to them, the true church is going to need each other now more than we ever have before. The hour of the trial of the Lord at, in his time, and subsequently also his disciples, was just ahead. And what he begins to emphasize is unity, love, and purpose amongst those that are having this message revealed to them. Because it's going to be the only thing that unifies and binds us together. I'm just speaking by the Spirit now. I'm not talking to anybody. I'm not talking to you, brother. I'm just throwing this out there. God is going to move you into positions, strategically speaking, because what's ahead, you're going to need each other. Whether it's you going to move near your parents, you know, your older parents who, 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 who you need to go take care of while you have time, then begin to move. If the Spirit is leading you in a direction right now, you better listen. Because the days are coming. Like you can say, man, we, we woke up one day in this country and all the doors were shut. Don't think this can't happen just like that. You know, I mean, it, it happens so quickly. Even though we saw it coming, most people mocked it and said it could never come here. Well, look at us now, right? I mean, we're, on, we're, we're almost 30 days into this, you know, where we really can't go anywhere or do anything. Schools are shut. Sporting events are closed. Theaters are shut. Restaurants, clubs. And, and most importantly, and most symbolically to me, the churches are shut as well. And so as Judas goes out and he's doing his thing, the Lord begins to transition his message to focus on them and begin to ingrain them with an understanding. You're going to need a love for each other in me like you've never yes. had before. And church, we're going to need each other now, I'm telling you, more than we ever, ever have, have had to need each other before. Brother Marty, I want to echo what you're saying right now. Uh, most of you should be familiar with uh, Corey Ten Boom. And she tells us that in China the Christians were told, don't worry, before the tribulation comes, you will be translated, you will be raptured. 
But then she says, but then came a terrible persecution. Millions of Christians were tortured today. Later, she said, I heard a bishop from China say this. We have failed. We should have made the people strong for persecution rather than telling them that them Jesus would come first. Tell the people how to be strong in times of persecution, how to stand when the tribulation comes, to stand and not faint. So this is echoing what you're saying right now. Can you read that last part again? Tell the Christians what? He says, tell the Christians, um, we have failed. Are you talking about from the beginning or from the last part I read? The last part, yeah, towards the end. Okay. Well, this is this was said by a bishop or a minister from China. He said, we have failed. We should have made the people strong for persecution rather than telling them Jesus would come first. Tell the people how to be strong in times of persecution, how to stand when the tribulation comes, to stand and not faint. My Lord, I feel that, brothers. I mean, that that's... That's a word from a pastor in China? Yes. Yes. Wow. That's well, the word of the Lord. That's, right? echoing, mean, that's what you're saying, Brother Marty. Absolutely. We need to the people. That's, go ahead, Brother. Yeah, and, and, and I think that, that that's what we're seeing revealed here in the Passover Supper, his last supper, right? It is a foreshadow, though it's a historical truth that it actually happened. The last supper and all that actually happened. But as the Bible teaches us, what happened in the beginning is going to happen in the end. And that is why we are so we have our our uh, spiritual antenna up, if you if you will, right now more than in any other time in the last several years, really, because because we have a global event that has affected the whole world, and we have and we have it happening right at the Passover season, and we have it uh, happening that that what we're beginning to hear is that when we emerge out of this, it's going to be a completely different new world. And what we're saying is that. We believe that as we've been studying these Passovers uh, uh, truths within the scripture, we're not just giving you a scripture here and there. If you go back right. and listen to everything, we're going through whole chapters of the Bible, man. And so, so we'll put that up against anybody's, you know, health and wealth gospel message right now, because they're they're clueless. Go ahead. Right. That's what the ministers are saying right now. They're telling the people, they're telling their congregations, don't worry. This is going to pass by. Jesus will come for us first before all this tribulation comes. That's what we're uh-huh. saying to our – I'm talking about here in America. We're saying That's the right. very opposite that we're declaring right now. Yeah, and I think we see a pattern of that in Simon Peter because right after he tells them you're going to need each other, love one another, all that kind of stuff, in verse 36, it's something that jars Peter, right? If you can see it, it it's something that, that he can't deal with. In chapter right. thirteen, verse thirty-six, yes. right? Be- yes. Because he says to the Lord, "What are you? What? Are, what are you talking about? Like, where are you going?" It just doesn't gel with his theology. Remember, he keep he kept asking the Lord, "Are you going to, you know, restore the kingdom now? Even after Jesus rose from the dead, are you going to do the kingdom now?" Even when they rode into Jerusalem, like we were talking about two days ago. You know, they're waving palm branches, calling him the king of, of, of Israel and all. You know, are you going to restore the kingdom now? It's not something that was programmed into them. They had been fed incorrect doctrine. And their, so timing, Jesus, their timing was off. They, and, yeah. and, and Jesus is, is, is wanting to show them, wait a minute, you can't just bypass suffering. 
You know what I mean? I, I have exactly. to go to the cross. And and yeah. Jesus said this too. And remember, it was that very statement when Jesus said uh, concerning Mary in the alabaster box, and, and when she anointed him, she said, leave her alone for she has done this for my burial. That's what set in motion uh, where Judas began to all of a sudden, you know, he was like, "Wait a minute, right? you're gonna, yeah. yeah, you're gonna die." Well, I don't, I don't want that kind of messiah. No part of that, you know. Yeah, yeah. And remember, Jesus said this in John twelve twenty seven. He says, "Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, yes. save me from this hour." Mm-hmm. He says, "But for this cause came I unto this hour." So, yes. what he's saying is, so are you gonna save me from this hour, from suffering, from persecution? No, he says, this is the whole reason, the sole reason why I came to this world. And it's the same thing that we've been feeding people out here in, in the church in, in the West, that we are going to be safe from this hour. Right. Right. And right. that's right. not the case. That's there not the go. case. As a matter of fact, Jesus uh, uh, was anointed, right? And we spoke about it uh, by Mary from uh, the oil. Uh, she anointed his head first, then, uh, then his feet, which is a type yeah, which is a type of what would take place at the end of time with the church. But then yeah. Jesus did the same thing to his disciples. He anointed Peter's feet, yeah. right, in preparation yeah. for the very same fate that they would go through, right? Yeah, that right. As, through, that they would go. Now, okay, well, that's a really good part right there because if you're going to talk about that, you know, we're going back a few verses, but but it is something that 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 we should maybe interject right here because what was happening there, I believe. Is is that he's washing their feet, and 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 the water of the word, right? The word and the water, the the, the word and the spirit, their feet, mm-hmm. and 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 it's because he was preparing them as the fathers of the church that they were going to 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 have everything that had collected on their feet, right? Have your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. That's what Paul said, right? It's as if everything right. that they had known to that point needed to be washed away. In order to prepare oh, good, them, good. right, to good. become the kind of preachers they needed to become, because the yes. church was going to need them. The early church was going to have Jesus go away and wonder what the heck, right? You know, and so they were going to need to be the kind of quality ministers that could guide the church to its early stages, in order that it's it might done. fulfill its destiny in the end, right? And that's what you're talking about uh, when you're mentioning the anointing of Jesus' feet, as we talked about earlier. Uh, that Mary did representing a glorious church and that the feet represent the, the, the last part of the body of Christ. And she, and, and it's revealed at that moment that, that it's for his burial. It's a persecution that he's referencing. He's going to Calvary as the head, but it's also a veiled reference by the Holy spirit that the end time, the last part of the body of Christ is also going to have a special anointing given to it. And it will become a glorious church. And that's where you pointed out that that's the place that Judas is first exposed where, where he begins to, to leave and begin to fall away. Now it's the same thing with Simon Peter. Judas is out there doing right. his thing. Right. Jesus begins to say, look, I'm leaving and you can't come right now with me. And, and then but it's a message that that Jesus, that Simon didn't want to hear. Verse 36, he says, where the heck are you going? <laughs> what do you mean you're leaving? You know, I mean, wait a right. minute. That doesn't fit with my understanding. You know, right. I mean, I've been confused about a lot of things, basically. Right. I mean, I, we've been up, right. we've been down, we've been loved, we've been persecuted. I get it. 
But man, I was just, just, just a few hours ago, a few days ago, the whole city was calling you the king. What are you yeah. talking about? Right? right. And, 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 and then, and Jesus says, where I'm going, you can't follow me now. In other words, I'm headed to Calvary. Yes. You can't go there with me now. I'm the head. I go there first. And yes. almost as if he's prophetically speaking to the end, he says, because remember, who was it? It was Peter that, that had the hardest problem with him washing his feet. You have no other disciple complaining about it, right? It's mm -hmm. it's Peter. And he right. represents, right. right? He represents the last guy. I mean, the last church. You can't wash my feet. And he says, the truth is, if if I don't, <laughs> he really don't have a part with me. What part is he talking about? The fellowship of his suffering. And he reveals it here by saying, you will, you can't go with me now because I'm the only one who can do this. He says, but there's an appointed time. You will follow me afterwards. And that is what the church doesn't want to hear. That's what Peter didn't want to hear. I don't understand. Right. What do you mean, right? And so that's what they're going to say today. Even those who listen to our messages are going to go, well, nah, you know, that's that whole... That's that whole pre-wrath, uh, mid-trib kind of thing. Don't put your labels on me. Unless you can lay it out in the scripture as we have for the last 23 hours, then then just shut up, sit down, and maybe you'll learn something. I speak humbly by the Spirit of God. Now listen, <laughs> Peter says to him, he says, why can't I follow you now? Right. And he says, the truth is I'd lay down my life for you. And then Jesus begins to reveal something. He says, is that really true that you'd lay down your life for my sake? He says, the truth of the matter is, is I'm telling you that the rooster will not crow until you have denied me three times. This is profound because yeah. what Jesus is saying by the spirit to an end time church is that just before the rising of the sun, because that's when the rooster crows, right? When the sun's about to come up, which is very uh, symbolic of of the new day that's getting ready to dawn. But before the sun rises, a denial is going to take place. And, right. Right? And, and, and that's what's coming down here. Two churches are going to come out of this upper room. One is not going to be able to handle the heat of it. That's Peter. But yeah. one will. That's John, right? Because when you study John's life, he went from the upper room. He went to Caiaphas's house. He was all the way up through the trial. He was there uh, at, at Pilate's you know, judgment. He was standing at the foot of the cross, and he's the first right. one to get to the tomb. He followed him all the way, but Peter experiences a collapse, a falling away, mm -hmm. even though he didn't know that he would. Now, quickly, turn over, turn over to Daniel, because that was prophesied that the same That's thing right. that happened to Peter is going to happen to the end-time church. Now, let's look at this really quick in Daniel chapter 11. Tell me when you're there. We're there. Daniel, Daniel chapter 11. It's, it's up under the message that Jesus is giving that, that Peter's denial is revealed. But Peter's denial and what Peter went through, whether he realized it or not, he was a foreshadow. He was mm -hmm. a, a historical event that took place in his own personal life is a foreshadow of what the prophet Daniel reveals will happen in the end to an end-time church. Look at what Daniel says here. In Daniel chapter 35, he says, uh, 
And some of them. Verse 35. Yes, chapter 12, verse 35. Daniel, chapter 12, uh, verse 35. I mean, chapter 11, I'm sorry. Verse 35. Yes. Chapter 11, verse 35. This is what Daniel prophesied. This is being, this is, this information is coming to Daniel from the angel Gabriel. And Gabriel says to him, he says, in the end, he says, some of them of the understanding are going to fall. See, that's what happened to the apostle Peter. It's a type, although it really happened to right. him. It's, it's a type of an end time church that, that falls and stumbles up under the heat of the dawning of a new day. Because the rooster crows before the dawning of the new day. And he says, some of them of the understanding shall fall. For what? To try them. To purge them. And to make them white. Unless we we don't get it, he identifies the time. Even to the time of the end. Because it's for yet an appointed time. And when Daniel is having this revealed to him about this trial... The very next verse begins to reveal the Antichrist, right? Because right, verse 36 right. says, and, and the king shall do according to his will. He, speaking of the Antichrist, will exalt himself. He will magnify himself above every god. He shall speak marvelous things against the god of gods. He shall prosper till the indignation be accomplished. For that that is determined shall be done, Right? And then in verse 40, he starts talking about other events, but he, he emphasizes the time of the end. So what we see in Peter's fall and what we see in Peter's denial is a miniature type of what's going to happen to some who love the Lord, but who have had their whole world turned upside down as we head into this tribulation period that's just ahead of us not too many days from now. And the, but the truth of the matter is, is that a new day is just ahead of us. A new day is dawning. But yes. when the heat gets the, the, the most intense, when the night is the darkest, as they, as they normally say, right, that the, 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 uh, the greatest dark is just before the dawn, right? Just before the dawn is the greatest yes. darkness. And that's, that's true. I used to pull graveyards <laughs> in the military. And that's true, man. It's, it's really the darkest and the coldest. And 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 so and so, Jesus reveals to him and says, you know, the truth is, the rooster is not going to crow three times before uh, uh, crow before you've denied me three times. And and it's a veiled prophecy, if you will, for those who have eyes to see for the end time church. See, there's going to be a Peter-like group that we just read in in Daniel. They understand things. They they know things, but the heat of the end time which is connected to the appearance of the Antichrist in verse 36, Daniel 11, 35, and 36, it shows that the kind of intensity that's just ahead of us is going to cause many who believe, who understand, to be right. uh, brought under such pressure that they will, they, will, they, will, they will fall, they will turn away. That doesn't mean they're going to take the mark of the beast, because remember, Peter fell. But he found right. a place of repentance, right? Yes. He went, he went out and he wept bitterly. He wept because he did things that he thought he would never do. But it's the grace of God. Because Jesus has already prayed for you and me. He's prayed right. for this end-time church. Just like he told Peter, he said, I've prayed for you. And when you're converted, strengthen your brethren. Everyone who walks this Christian walk 
whether it's the tribulation period or not, you are going to go through the refining fire of the Holy Spirit because he's going to have a glorious church. And he wants yes. to present you and me before the Father as that purified bride, as that cleansed bride, that bride who is held up under the scrutiny of the heat and examination of the spirit of the living God. And that is why Peter had to fall, to purge him of so many things that we don't have time to get in here and to try him. But when he came forth, by the end of his life, when they sought to crucify him in Rome, he said, you know what? Turn me upside down. I'm not even worthy to be crucified in the same way as my Lord. What a difference. Hallelujah. 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 And there's going to be, don't, don't worry about that because, because God is going to strengthen you just like he did the apostle Peter. He's yes, going to strengthen yes. us, right? That's what he said. I've prayed for you. The prayers for this time right now have already occurred. They've already happened. Jesus birthed them in the garden. And let's go there real quick before we close today, because that's what happens. They leave the room. And let's go over to John chapter 18, and we'll close with it. So, so John. Brother Marty, so yeah. Jesus takes them to the upper room because yeah. obviously he's God and he's all-knowing. And he understands that there's things in their hearts uh, that he needs to wash away. And that yeah. almost he needs to retrain them. Uh, and and prepare them for that which is ahead, because a lot of them have their own ideas of what, of the kind of Messiah they're expecting. That's why he he posed the question to them: Who do men say that I am? But who do you say and, that? And I brother am? and brother Fernando, is it possible that that the reason that we are being shut away right now in our house absolutely is so that yes. Jesus oh. can retrain us? Yes. So that we that's, can be retrained. Exactly. Yes. That's that's exactly if, if if the pattern holds true, then it, it's it's our upper room moment right now, right? Through, throughout sir, the world, yes, God, God is speaking sir. to to His people, and He's trying to t and He's asking the question to them: Who do you say that I am? Right? That's exactly right. right. Who do you say that I am? And that's kind of what it's happened that. to Peter, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, who do you yes. say that I am? You have this image of me. You have this image of this doctrine that's been developed in your own life you're expecting the kingdom of god now it totally blows your mind that now what you're being told is that your messiah is going to have to die and he doesn't want to hear that it doesn't it doesn't you know jive with his doctrine man he just doesn't want to hear it and and yet it's going to be the same way right now right people don't want to hear it but there are those who will hear it and they will begin to understand you know what this this isn't what I've heard before, but it's full of scripture. They're not just talking off the top of their heads. They're giving me scripture after scripture after scripture. It is our upper room moment, brother. Jesus is speaking to the church in the Passover that's during right. a yes. global event, right? You were but that's say, what he told it in, in, in Exodus chapter 12. We see when he tells them to inspect the land. That, that, that yeah. was, in essence, what he was saying is, you know, inspect, reassess, see it inspect it, take it, grab a hold of it, kill it, uh, you know, with the whole assembly, your whole family together, participating, analyzing, inspecting to see if there's any blemish, to see, you know, that's in essence what he was telling them, is to reassess for yourselves yes. the Lamb of God. Praise God. Examine yourself to be, to see if you be in the faith, right? Amen. 
Yes. And, and that's that, that's what Paul was saying also, right? To not to eat and drink unworthily when it came to the Passover cup, right? The the the, the retelling of the Passover. And he said, those of you who have done this uh, unworthily have eaten and drank damnation to yourself. That's exactly what Judas did. He did it mm -hmm. in an unworthy manner, and he ate and drank damnation to himself. And well, what I believe, oh, yes. yeah. And what I believe the Lord is saying is that coming out of this, it's not going to be church as as it was before we headed into this. In other mm. words, they might go off, and, but they're going to go off. And if they continue to eat and drink from the table of the Lord and pretend to be something they're not, they're literally going to be overtaken by another spirit, and it's not the Holy Spirit. It is inevitable. And God yes. is saying, do not do this. Stop it. But that's what they keep yes. trying and fighting to do. We want to go back. We want our false prophets. They even did a ceremony on, on the Seder night, on Wednesday night. Did you see it? I sent you the link where they had these so-called you know prophets, these 50 prophets. Yes, Everybody yes I saw that. Cindy Jacobs to... You know, all these other knuckleheads out there, right? They all got together, and they had what? Communion. Mm -hmm. And began to confess it and blab it and bind it and loose it. But all along the way, they refused to acknowledge one thing. Could it be that my people, which are called by my name, need to humble themselves? They need to pray. Hallelujah. They need to seek my face, and they need to turn yes. from their wicked ways. But because they refuse to do that, I'm not going to heal their land. I will not yes. heal their land. America is not coming out of this in a in a flag waving, MAGA hat wear, wearing, megaphone shouting, uh, you know, pseudo Christian, victorious way. It's over, and what you're going to see is it's going to get even more gross. This false church, mm -hmm. this this disgusting church, but our focus is on that glorious church. Because that yes. also is what's coming out of this. There's coming Hallelujah. a disciple that God loves, right? There's coming the one yes. that God loves, that, that glorious church. Now listen, so let's go to Gethsemane real quick. But from the perspective of John, because in verse John chapter 18, and quickly we're going to close with this. We go over there and it says in John chapter 18, it says, it says this, is that when Jesus had spoken these things, uh, these words, he, he left the upper room with his disciples and he crosses over the book, the brook Kedron, where there was a garden. Isn't that interesting? Uh, it's as if he's yeah. going all the way back to Genesis here. And yeah. that's where it will be contested in a garden. But he also does Incredible. something really interesting. Yeah. And it's, and it's really interesting to me too, brothers, because if you know your biblical history, as I know you do, uh, there's an account of King David. Uh, being betrayed by Absalom, his son, right? Absalom seeks to overthrow his father. He's a type of the Antichrist. King David being a type of the Messiah. He, he's a type of Judas too, right? I mean, because he basically overthrows King David uh, or attacks King David, and, and King David has to leave Jerusalem, just as G Jesus had to leave the, the city proper and and it says, if you go back and read that story, that David crossed over the brook Kidron and went up by way of the Mount of Olives. Jesus is actually retracing the steps of King David as he leaves Jerusalem because his Absalom, if you will, Judas, if you will, is getting ready to betray him just as Absalom betrayed King David. And they take the same path 
go to the same mountain, and David goes right past that garden where the Lord is taking his disciples right now. The Lord comes to the garden. And and in, in that garden, we'll just briefly you know mention this. If you read it in the in the account of, of, of St. Mark's gospel, it talks about how the Lord began to become exceedingly sorrowful, beyond sorry. Because right. as they yeah. approach this place, what begins to happen is that the pressure, and I'm not just talking about human emotional pressure, and you need to do your own word studies here, but what you'll find is it seems to be implying that as he got to the garden and began to go through his Gethsemane experience, that the veil between the natural and the spiritual world was was blurring, that the veil was being dis- dissolved because there was a fight that was ensuing in the spirit realm. He began to see things. He said, my soul is exceedingly troubled. There was all kinds of intense mental warfare, spiritual warfare. It was so heavy that he literally fell out on the ground, right? And and if you go and read the account, he's battling for the soul of all creation. And he prays three times, right? He prays three times. And I believe, and this is just my opinion, that he's he's literally gaining the victory through his intercession uh, in order to prepare the way for complete ascension from the earth into the universe, into heaven. He prays three times. And he begins to clear out by his intercession his right to walk through there once he becomes the sacrifice. He prays three times, I believe, as well for humanity, spirit, soul, and body. I believe he's praying for all creation. There's three heavens, right? All of this we could dig into. But for the point of this and bringing this to a conclusion, I just wanted to mention the intensity of Gethsemane that came down on the Lord. It required a great intercession. And so heavy was the intensity that we see the disciples falling asleep. It's not that they were just sleepy. It was an intense night, the most horrible of nights in the history mm-hmm. of all creation, right? And 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 and, and it, it, it affected them. They became so overwhelmed. They literally couldn't they couldn't even say anything. And and, and John records that uh, I think it was John uh, or, he, or, or Mark or one of them I was just reading this morning, it says that when he came and tried to wake him up the third time, that they didn't even, it says that they didn't even know what to, to say to him. <laughs> they didn't even know what to say. Right. It was like, well, they couldn't even speak. Right. It was so heavy, you know? And, and, and you know these guys. I mean, these are Peter, James, and John. This is Peter who walks the water. This is Peter who's getting ready to whip out a sword and cut somebody's head off. This is James and John who got so mad because the Samaritans <laughs> rejected Jesus later in his ministry and said, you know, call fire down on them and burn them up. These are some radical dudes, man. They're not they're not wimpy, lily-livered, as they used to say, limp-wristed kind of preachers. These are men. Right. And, and, so, and they're used to fishing at night. So it's not like they're not used to this, you know, all nighter, man. I mean, this is this is heavy duty stuff. Coming. Yeah, and and that they all got sleepy at the same time, you know. Yeah, exactly. No, it's just something much deeper going on, you know. But that's exactly so. what happened to the ten virgins. They all fell asleep at the same time, right? Yes. Yeah, slumber right. came yeah. over them. That's exactly right. But, and so, but what brother, what brother Marty's bringing out, it was the intensity of the warfare uh, yeah. that was. Mm. 
that was in the garden. It was a miniature of, of the end times, the spirit that would be yeah. in the end times. You have Judas, you have Caiaphas and the religious leadership coming yeah. to the garden. Everything is converging. Yes. Right? You, and it, you have the spirit of Antichrist in the garden. Okay? Exactly. So it's, 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 it's something that Jesus could feel in the spirit. Like you said, it was, it was almost like the, the, the spirit world was, was spilling over into the natural. Right, exactly. he was able to he was able to see what uh, the enemy was intending to do. Yes, right, clearly, and through whom and that's what, he was doing it. Right. Yes, and that, and that's exactly what the words mean. As you dig into the root words and all that kind of, it implies a deconstruction. Just to get all tech, technological, right? A deconstruction of the very building blocks of the material universe. It was like it was it was melting before his eyes, and then closing up, and then opening up, and closing up. It was that's kind of the feeling you get when you dig into the words. That's why he was he was so exceedingly sorrowful, and he said, "My soul is is exceedingly troubled." He began to see things to the point that he collapses on the ground, wow. and we're. And we're told, we're told, my God, only Jesus could do this. Yes. Hallelujah. Only Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Only Thank Jesus. And, and, and he, he began to, to, the Bible says he began to sweat great drops wow. of blood. Yes. You know, that his precious blood first burst into the earth in intercession in the garden. Because it, what he was up under and what he was fighting was all the forces of the devil. And in another place, he said, you know what? I'm not going to talk to you guys very much anymore because, because the prince of this world is coming, right? He began to conceal things. He began to, to, to get quiet, to, to go deep into his oneness with the Father. And he begins to cry out because what was at stake was the cup of salvation. What was at stake was the renovation of all things. What was hinging yeah. on his obedience was mm. the new heaven and the new earth. What was hinging on his obedience was all the multiple ages that are yet to come reserved for him and his children. All of it is converging at this moment. And the stripping away of the power of death that was in the mm. possession of the devil. This is what is happening. He's taking it back. That's why when we see him resurrected in Revelation chapter 1, where he says, Behold, I am he that liveth. I was dead, but I'm alive forevermore. And he says, I have the keys, man. I got the keys of hell, and I have the keys of death. He stripped him of that authority. Oh, man, I'm going to get somebody. That's our Jesus. That's Amen. what's going yes. on here. But but he prays through it, right? And John records it in such a way that is really amazing because – let's just read it. When Jesus had spoken these words, he went forth with his disciple over the brook Kidron where there was a garden. Everything goes back to the garden where it all originates, right? Into which he entered with his disciples. Judas also, which betrayed him, he knew the place. I don't want to, say, I don't want to camp out there too long. For Jesus oftentimes resorted there with his disciples. Judas then, having received a band of men and officers from the chief priests and the Pharisees, he came there, listen to this, with lanterns, with torches, and with 
weapons. Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that should come upon him, this is after he's gone through his garden experience, he goes forth and he says to them, who do you seek? And they answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus says to them, what? I am. He answers them with the title that only God uses. When Moses was at the bush and he said, who do I say sent me? He says, I am that I am, right? That's what God told him his name was, I am. Jesus emerges and goes forth to meet this, this, this antichrist figure and his armies. And he says, I am. You're dealing with God here. That's what he's saying. Oh, no. yeah. Hallelujah. And Judas also, which was who had betrayed him, was standing with him. And listen to this. As soon as he had said unto them, verse 6, I am. What happened? They went they backward back. and mm-hmm. fell where? No. To the ground. Now, the Apostle John records this scene in a most profound way, I think, because it replays the original ancient battle. In yeah. many ways, in the many ways, it's also a portrayal of the Battle of Armageddon. Because when Jesus comes back, and as we're told in the in Second Thessalonians, and as is revealed to us in Revelation 19 and 20, when Jesus comes back, he's not going to have to lift up a weapon. It says he will consume him with the spirit of his mouth. And when Jesus said, I am, they all fall backwards. It's a type and a shadow of that end time battle when he emerges. It wasn't going to be fulfilled yet, but so that we would have a hint. (laughs) This is what's coming, right? So it replays the original ancient battle, though. What I mean by that is that remember what we're told in the scripture that Satan, after he fell, he he leads a rebellion, or, or his his fall included leading a rebellion of a bunch of fallen angels. Right? They became the fallen angels. They tried to right. overthrow. They came with weapons, with torches, with lanterns, led by Judas. Just like Satan led a revolt with a third of the angels into heaven, Judas leads a contingent of temple guards to attack the Lord with weapons. It's the same story being portrayed. But when God manifested it himself and said, like he did in the garden here, he says, I am. When that happened in heaven, what happened? It says, how thou art uh, cut down to what? The ground. That's what he said to Lucifer, right? How thou art fallen Mm -hmm. from heaven, O Lucifer, and cut down to the ground, which did weaken the nations. We see the same thing happen here. When they come with, and these chief priests and these, these, these temple guards, They are like the fallen angels in the dateless past. They come with Judas like they came in the dateless past with Satan. So Judas comes with a bunch of guards, temple guards that came from the house of God, and they're trying to attack the Lord of glory like Satan did so many years ago. But like what happened to Satan, he was cut down to the ground. It's as if Jesus is is prophesying when he says, I am, and they all fall backwards to the ground. And it is a foreshadow. It is a prophetic indication of what is yet to come in the future. How great a Savior do we serve? My Lord. Amen. 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 It It speaks also of the Lord's judgment on the Antichrist, right? The false prophet, the beast system, right? Because they got their power from Rome, right? It's representative of this one world system that's coming. 
and 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 Judas is a, is a type of the antichrist right because he comes against them with an army and 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 the false prophet right is like that Judaistic system Caiaphas and all them I mean they're all converging together and you talked about economics earlier right because Revelation 13 11 through 18 talks about a global economic system do we see economy mentioned in this Passover story absolutely Judas gets 30 pieces of silver there's the economy there's the money there's the hint of that economic system, all of it converging together. You have the 30 pieces of silver representing the economy. You have Caiaphas, the high priest, representing the false prophet. You have Judas and the temple guards representing the Antichrist and his forces empowered by the beast system, which is the Roman government. All of it foreshadows what the book of Revelation says quite possibly is just ahead. And all of it took place at a Passover season, the Lord's Passover the last supper and we are headed right now coming out of this passover i believe based on all the things we've been talking about for 23 hours we're right on the doorstep of that truly being fulfilled and now yes. i was we know he went to the cross we know he died on the cross and tomorrow tomorrow i really have felt by the lord that that tomorrow will be our last podcast for a while unless some event takes place in the next few days where we'll get together again. But by the Spirit, and seriously, you know, uh, in my in prayer, I feel like the Lord says he wants to culminate tomorrow, this teaching, and just let it set out there for now. And, and, and tomorrow we're going to explore the cross, and we're going to explore the resurrection, and we're going to get into some very powerful, powerful things unfolding. And And, and of course, we'll be obedient to the Spirit of God. But I want the, the listeners come Sunday to spend time with your families. Spend time in the word. Celebrate the resurrection of the Lord and, and, and reflection with each other. But tomorrow will be our, our 24th podcast in a row. So, right. so we're, right, we're going to take a little time off. And we're gonna, but, we're, we're, but I just feel spiritually that it's, it is what it's meant to be. Because it, we've come to this now. We've come to the cross and we're going to celebrate the resurrection and we're going to we're going to we believe by the spirit lay out what we believe is coming in the next several days months and several years ahead but it's not going to be like we think it's not going to be business as usual the lord revealed these things to the early church and so he's revealing them to us and i couldn't say it any better than you said earlier brother fernando this is our upper room moment right this is the moment we're receiving the information of the lord let him that has an ear hear what the spirit says to the churches would you close this out brother and we'll, we'll we'll gather again tomorrow and uh and 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 we'll 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 watch the conclusion of what's being said to us here in the cross and in the in the burial and the resurrection and the ascension of the lord amen amen i, I could not finish it any better i think what needed to be said has been said today and i pray you that are listening you are are sensing you you have heard what the spirit of the lord is saying if you need to go back hear it again do so as i believe the the, whole, the holy spirit has spoken and we have heard what he is saying i pray that you are blessed i pray in this time of passover as brother marty said you spent the utmost time with your families remembering uh the death burial and the resurrection of jesus christ we look forward to being with you tomorrow, Lord willingly. May God bless you and keep looking up.